Hello, I'm your host Jim McLean. Welcome to the latest edition of the Banderflix podcast, recorded here at the Odeon Belfast. Joining me in this recording is one of Banderflix's very own, that of course is Lee Forgy. Hi Jim. And, uh, oh God, we had two sickos on the TV show a couple of weeks ago. Well, we've got one here in the podcast. We've got our old friend, I haven't called you this for a while, Bill Bullshit Taylor from The Sixth Sense. <laughs> Hi Jim, it's always a pleasure, never a burden. Yeah, tell me about it, Bill. Tell me about it. Right, guys, well, as always, this week we're going to be talking a bit of movie news. We'll be reviewing Men in Black International, which we're just out of here at the Odeon, and then we'll wrap up with our and finally question. So, welcome to part one, where we're going to be talking a bit of movie news, and uh, the trailer for Dr. Sleep broke earlier this week. The pseudo-sequel to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, or a sequel to Stephen King's book, Lee, has it caught your attention? Has it caught your interest? Yeah, I'd, I'd and seen... And not just because it made you watch it? I've seen The, I've seen the Shining a load of times, um, but I actually watched it quite recently in the Crumlin Road Jail. Uh, they do like movie nights, so that for a while they were doing movie nights, but they give you like a paranormal tour. If you buy into that sort of stuff, I'm sure it's great crack. Um I, you know, I was going along going, yeah, this is a load of rubbish, but it's good fun all the same. You have a bit of crack when you're there, and then they show you the shit. Now, sh- hang uh, on, Lee, right? Just note to our listeners that uh, only a few minutes ago, Lee got scared by someone walking past the door and was no, worried no. that whether that was a ghost. So how could you actually hack a, an actual ghost hunt? A ghost, you know, a paranormal investigation? Because... Well, first of all, I wasn't scared. I I was worried it would interfere Do you believe with the Bill? recording. I think he was absolutely shit scared. No, I think he, there was worry in his voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the paranormal tour it doesn't help when people are like bumping into each other and saying, oh, "Stop touching me!" Uh, who's a, you know, it kind of you know if if you go into and a horror is that movie, just your other half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, w- watching The Shining in the in the prison, um, where I did seven years hard time. Uh, really, you what know, what for, Lee? What re- for? For pushing into people, for punching you because you keep on interrupting me. Okay, Jesus, <laughs> all right, Lee. Um, yeah, no, it, it renewed my interest in The Shining, and I forgot how much. Like, any time I watch that, I I find something new in it. Just to interrupt you again, like, what version did they show? Did they show the extended or did they show the original? I can't remember because they showed the version where they had a bar at the back of the at the back of the screening, and I had several beers throughout. So that's. That's the version I seen. So like did you have several over. beers and then do the paranormal investigation, or was it paranormal no, no. investigation? They give you a big feed, so they give you like burger and chips or something like that, plus a wee dessert. I had a wee Irish coffee as well, just to yeah. cap it all off. Then they do the paranormal tour, then they do the shining with a bar. Okay. Um. So yeah, what we're talking about, Doctor Sleep. Um. So watching that again and then seeing the trailer, it sort of brings it all together again. Um. Yeah, really looking forward to it. I just I'm wondering if if this is going to be kind of as you said a continuation of the Stanley Kubrick Shining or is it a continuation of the Stephen King book? Stephen King's kind of given his blessing as far as I know. Um, He'll give his blessing to anything these days. Well, it gets him a few quid in the bank, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Bill. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Can't say much more than that. Yeah, it, it's it's weirdly because I can't remember a trailer in a long time just really grabbing my interest and we were talking about this in last week's podcast, we were talking about our favourite trailers because uh, we had the Golden Trailers Awards, yes, as I said last week, I, I didn't know they existed either, uh, apparently John Wick 3's first trailer won for best trailer, but I, I, I think this is up there in terms of a teaser trip that reminds you 
pretty much all the things that you loved about The Shining, unless you're, you know, Stephen King and you're kind of going, oh, Stanley, why did you make it that way? That's not what I wanted. And then Stephen King made his weird TV movie that nobody wanted. But that's another podcast. Well, that's the a- thing you say about the trailers, like these days, the only trailers that, well, for me, that really kind of grab attention are either, you know, the Marvel stuff, possibly Star Wars, but even that's kind of let me down the past couple of trailers, um, or the last couple of movies, sorry. And maybe the odd horror movie. You know, usually when you see a trailer, it's very, very few kind of franchises or, or you know, that really get you excited anymore but because this is a, a sequel to a film that came out you know mm. so long ago um or we think it's going to go down that road anyway um you the shining is not the sort of film you expect a sequel to and the fact that it does have those callbacks you know the music at the end it i think that's kind of what's got well me and you we'll, we'll yeah. hear what bill says but that's what got, what's that's what's got us i'm excited. not gonna let him speak <laughs> yeah that's okay i'll just listen on on this now on that <laughs> lovely note then bill What's your thoughts on the trailer? Because you've just literally watched it just before. I've just literally watched it. I know very, very little. Because you didn't do your homework? Material. You literally. No, no, not that. I like to be spontaneous. <laughs> I like to react. I like to live in the moment. Okay. And um, it's not just because you forgot to watch it? Well, we'll say nothing there. Okay. Um, yeah, I like, I love The Shining. Um, I particularly like the 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 documentary about it, Room 237. Mm. I think it's, it's very interesting as well. Um, the thing that really hit out to me on the on the trailer was the seeing that carpet again, and it's like, yeah, okay, you've got me. So you, they had you at the carpet, the carpet, but it's that particular carpet from the Overlook Hotel. Mm-hmm. It's just it's iconic to that film, and that it's just it's nice that it brings you back there. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I. Never thought we needed a sequel. And I have to be honest, as I'm speaking here, like I've read the book Doctor Sleep, and that's been a while. I don't know if either of you have read the book to Doctor Sleep. Nope. It's a kind of underwhelming sequel. It's one of those things that, well, we it was like, yeah, it's nice to be back in that world and the world of the shining, but mm, it doesn't really grab me. But we have and weirdly we have the connection because of course Rebecca Ferguson is, mm-hmm. albeit briefly, in Men in Black International. Uh, she plays a pretty key character within Doctor Sleep, so I'm intrigued about the cast. And what do you think of the cast? And start with you, Bill. Fantastic! It's Obi Wan back on screen where he belongs, yes, using his Jedi forces. All right, it's called something else, but yeah, no, I, I like you, McGregor. I think he's a very, very good actor. Yeah, because you're a famous defender of the prequels, Bill. I love the prequels. That's right. Not, not the Shining prequels. Not like, no, not unless, like Jack Torrance. If, the if early they years. make them, I'll watch them. And you'll defend them, yes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but what what about you? Like you, you think I, I think it's a pretty solid piece of cast, and I think it, you kind of you never know what you're going to get with you and McGregor. Are you going to get him kind of being kind of the I'm phoning it in, phoning it in, you and McGregor, or are you going to kind of get the like train spotting, train spotting two, the kind of yeah, I, I kind of love you as an actor. Yeah, I, I, I have no issues with Hugh McGregor being in it. You know, you've, you forgot about Hugh McGregor number three, which is I'm going to get my motorcycle and go around the world <laughs> twice. Like, I like, like Hugh McGregor as an actor. I always have. You know, you're right, he's done some stinkers in his time, including the Star Wars prequels. But mm. uh, he, he, to be fair, he was the good thing about the Star Wars prequels. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table. And with that, let's move on to part two of the podcast. 
So guys, welcome to part two of the podcast where we're going to look at a new release and as I said at the start of this podcast, we're all just out of the screening here of Men in Black International. It's just been released today. So Lee, before we get into discuss the film, give us a bit of setup. What's Men in Black International all about? Uh, so Men in Black International is a spin-off or sequel, I don't know what you really call it, um, a reboot, kind of all three in one um, of uh, Men in Black. You know, I think most people are familiar with the, the song, obviously, by Will Smith. Um and the, the accompanying film that they helped to market that song, which was called Men in Black, released in 97, um, has this, you know, the, the Men in Black, the term Men in Black is kind of this pulpy term associated with like conspiracy theories, alien abduction, that sort of thing. Um, and the, the, fil- the original film itself was sort of loosely based on a comic. Um, so we're now, you know, we've had a couple of sequels to the, the Will Smith years. We've now got the Chris Hemsworth era uh, and Tessa Thompson era. And this film basically... Has uh, Tessa Thompson as this? Well, she has this experience, this close encounter uh, with an alien. She doesn't get neuralized by the Men in Black, so she kind of has this knowledge growing up that they exist, um, and she, she actively seeks them out. She's eventually recruited, uh, where she's sent to London and paired up with uh, Chris Hemsworth's agent H. Dreamboat. Dreamboat. Um, and together they're trying to solve some sort of intergalactic mystery. Um, yeah. Bad shit is going down is basically what you're saying. Yeah, looks like it. Yeah, okay, so let's play a clip of Men in Black International. Excuse me, what happened here? We had the best party. Kanye showed up and dropped like a whole new album. Look around, we got our asses kicked. (gasps) My queen! I'll never serve another. I must end my own life in the most painful way possible. I don't think that she would want you to, you know... Who are you to know what a queen would or wouldn't want? Are you a queen? Well, I mean, to the extent that all women are, yes. But no, no, I'm not a queen. So that's a clip of the film. Lee, lead the way. What do you think? Um, Never a good start. Yeah, um, that's pretty much a review. Yeah. Well, well let's, be, let's be optimistic, right? It's not Hellboy. It's not Hellboy. No, because the last time I was on here, we were talking about Hellboy, which is dreadful. I think with, with Men in Black, I kind of didn't expect much. And... I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't blown away. Like before the film started, before the film started, you said you what? Did you say you watched the first one recently? And mm-hmm. you know, I, I've watched it fairly recently too, and it still holds up. It's yep. still really funny. Um, okay, some of the CGI and special effects might look a little dated, but it's still a really good film. Um, but with this one, it's kind of like Friday night. Go see it with a date or on your own if you're alone. Um, and you just want someone to touch, and you just want to look at Chris Hemsworth for a while. Uh, it's okay. It it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But if if you're looking for some, you know, if if you're that person who really wanted the Men in Black reboot, you know, to to kickstart the franchise again and you know turn it into this like Marvel Comics Star Wars style universe, this isn't it. It's kind of just basic popcorn Friday night cinema date fun, and that's basically how how good it is is basically what you want to take out of it but it's there's nothing there that's not been done before by not just by men in black films but by other kind of summer popcorn blockbusters yeah i i would agree with it 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 feels very much like it's a film that's trying to be a product of its time and it's trying to like we're gonna world we're gonna be world building and we're gonna have our, our our central characters kind of go like they literally go across the world. I think there's there's Naples, there's London, and there's a little bit in Brooklyn. We've got Paris, and we have Marrakesh. 
it's it's much more kind of well you know the clue I suppose Jim is in the title it is very much there's, there's an international feel to it I suppose when you call your film Men in Black International that's kind of what you're going to get it it doesn't have the charm of the original but I don't think anything did and I don't think anything in the series to date has really matched the charm of of the first film the first film stands the test of time I think largely because of Will Smith Tommy Lee Jones and the charisma that those those two have yeah. Tommy Lee Jones with his face like porridge and Will Smith is the kind of fresh-faced, kind of fresh prince of fresh prince of Bel Air. I know we had done Independence Day the year before, and then there was Men in Black, but this was the film, you know, I think that really kind of set him up as, you know, this is Will Smith, the movie star. He's not just trying to sell you that really annoyingly catchy Men in Black song. I like to call that like the Will and Aram era. Yeah. Right after his album, it was just those years. It was the build-up to the year two thousand, and then it all went downhill. Yeah, Lee. Then he. Did like all that stuff like switch, and then it just went horribly, horribly wrong. And then he had kids, and then he tried to let his kids act. You know, like we want old Will back. Then he did the genie in Aladdin, which you know you're I'm gonna get old Will back. You're getting Gemini man. <laughs> yes, you are actually. That is true. You're getting a digitally de-aged Will Smith very soon. Um, I I'll be honest. This this didn't blow me away. Um, I had actually said many times when we discussed this in the podcast, on the TV show, and just kind of amongst ourselves, I thought this was going to be really good or really bad. And I have to stand up and think I'm a hypocrite. I just think it just sits in the middle. I don't think it's... There's things I like about it, but there's also things we think. I don't think it has the charm of the of the predecessor. The thing that it has going for it is Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. And I'm surprised actually to say this, but it's more Tessa Thompson. This time round, as much as I love Chris, I might question my sexuality. Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson for me steals the show here, but that, but that's just me. I know I have more to say, but but what about you, Bill? Because um, I heard I heard you kind of laughing and chuckling quite a way. There's some, yeah, there was some really funny bits. Well, I I found quite funny, like, um, but no, I, I totally agree with everything that's been said so far. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's it's a film that tries to stand on its own, but I think you kind of want you kind of want Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones back. I found a lot funny with it. There was a lot of good, nice wee jokes, visual and spoken. Um, the Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson they work well together. I was actually surprised with Liam Neeson. That's <laughs> like. Eh, you're not doing a bad job there. Especially but. with Men in Black. We're not supposed to go there. <laughs> I know, we're not supposed to go there. Um, He's one of our own, we'll have to yeah, defend him. I kind of liked, <laughs> liked the whole double bluff. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, the double bluff with him and Rafe Spall. I thought, I thought uh, Rafe Spall, he was, on, he was on the screen for so little time. And I was like, that guy's pretty good. He shouldn't, he shouldn't maybe should have been in it more. I think there's a, there's a couple of cast members I think are wasting this. Like, Rebecca Ferguson shows up. I mean, I am a fan of Rebecca Ferguson anyway. I think she's one of the best things other than Tom Cruise, you know, than other than Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible franchise of late. I think she's great. She, she's in it in a kind of blink-and-you-miss-it cameo. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know. Like, you're kind of talking about the double bluff. I... I've seen that coming from. I, I don't want. I don't want was, to say. Words. It was going to be one of the two. Yeah, and it's like okay, fair enough. It's a. Str- it's a strange way to open your film. I don't think it's a spoiler to say. You know, at the very start of the film, we have. 
you know, we have Liam Neeson, we have Chris Hemsworth in Paris facing off against the Hive, and then the film just quickly cuts. The present day kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And so you knew there was something about that. You know that's going to get called back to. Yeah. I just think it's a weird way to, to start your film, where you're then kind of immediately, you know, mistrusting either it's Chris... It's not, though, because you kind of have to remember the demographic that this is for, as well as... The age rating, it's not it's not for adults. That's definitely a kid's film. But then it, it, this is where you kind of get into kind of that confuddled logic because is this a film for kids? Well, I know, yes, that's probably the obvious answer, but it's for people who grew up and, and loved the film 22 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. But and I know they've had kids now and yeah. now they're going to want to, let's go see the yeah. latest Men in Black film. I know that's kind of, because we've talked about this, that's how the yeah. kind of Star Wars, that's how Disney get your money for the Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Get you twice. Yeah. Bill's Three very, times Bill, if you've got grandkids. Bill's very bitter about this, Lee. Because <laughs> the new Star Wars series isn't for him, but it's getting no, his it's money. No, it's not. It's getting his money through, through his kids. That's not what we're here to talk about. But it, <laughs> that's what they're clearly relying on yeah, here. There's, a, there's an element of nostalgia in it. And and the new one, because um, you've still got all the same. You know everything's pretty much the same. You've got the same cars, the same kind of weapons. Everything's silver. You've got the same kind of headquarters. They're wearing the same shirt and tie suits. Everything is pretty much identically as it was twenty two years ago. Um, the, the, there was one thing that really annoyed me about this though, and it's I think it's more common today than. Even back then, there was a heavy reliance on special effects, yeah. on you know CGI, and it's noticeable. And it's like use prosthetic stuff. Yeah, but go the, old school. But your problem is CGI is cheaper to work with. C- well, it is. It's, it's, it's cheaper lazy, though. It's cheaper. It's quicker to work with on set. I mean, I'm I'm tired of banging this drum. Like when we look, like when I rewatched Men in Black, the stuff that stands the test of time is the the practical effects and mm-hmm. just on that note about the original i'd completely forgot that it's kingpin vincent d'onofrio is the the bad yeah. guy in the first men in black it's the practice but back in point the practical effects in that by rick baker stand the test of time i think it's where they try to mix those practical effects with cgi is the only thing that for me really dates men in black yeah. that said though re-watching it and again with my white male privilege on show Rewatching the first film for the TV show, there's not a lot in there for female characters. When you think about it, it's the, the one female character that's there. She's not really given that much to do. They've clearly kind of retooled the franchise now. Like, I mean, the, the, the major female character in the first one doesn't even show up in Men, Men in Black 2. Clearly, Linda Fiorentino, you know, she made a good call in hindsight when we look at Men in Black, Men in Black 2. But... They've clearly kind of tried to bring that in. We have kind of subtext of the Time's Up Me Too campaign of the, the men in black. Well, it's actually, at, the, at one point, it's not a spoiler, Chris Hemsworth does say, well, with the men and women in black. But I'm coming out of this film pleasantly surprised in a way. I still, I'm still underwhelmed. But after reading like The Guardian, which gave it one star, I know Empire gave it three. But a lot of critics have been really sniffy about it and I don't know why now you of, of the three of us Lee are probably the most negative and I know you've kind of alluded to that when you kind of give your initial thoughts but why do you think there is such a, a sniffiness about this Um, I think it's probably just down to the fact that 
it's kind of came out of nowhere. I know Men in Black's kind of one of those franchises that they've had. They've done a couple of sequels, but I mean, I, I don't know how it works sort of financially. I haven't sort of looked at the, the box office. Why films, not, Lee? Because we watched the film and then it came straight in here and have a chance. Um, <laughs> but you look at the first one, it done done really well. Obviously, you had like a the, the soundtrack and the TV. It was a cartoon series. Mm-hmm. There was figures, whatever else. So they made a second one, which was Pants. Yeah. Um, it was guessed, Pants. It was Pants and Michael Jackson showed up. I'm get. I'm guessing though it must have done enough for them to warrant doing the third one. And the third one has its moments, like Josh Brolin doing the Tommy Lee Jones impression is actually quite funny. But beyond that, there's not. And he kind of thought by that stage, it's like okay, that's for now at least. That's that's it done. Um, I'm not saying they'll never do another one. You know, Ghost, Ghostbusters kind of proved us wrong there. They'll, they'll definitely come back to it at some stage. I just think it was maybe a bit too soon. I say a bit soon. When did Men in Black 3 come out? Because I don't, I don't remember it even being in the cinema. Is it about five years or six years ago? Maybe? Mm, well, I just found out this week that Toy Story 3 was at nine years ago, which makes yeah. me feel very, very old. And, you know, Men in Black's 22. So I would say it's maybe six, at least six years ago, six, seven years ago since the last one was out. It just it didn't seem to be that we needed it so soon. I think, obviously, the, the, the relationship between... Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok. They're trying to just keep that momentum going. And, you know, yeah. they're, 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 if it ain't broke, don't act, fix it. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And as a double act, they, you know, they, they work well together. Did you not think, though, I, I scribble this down looking at my notes and after kind of at least 10, 15 minutes of trying to decipher what I've actually scribbled, there's this, there's a sequence like very early on in the film in London where they're in a, a, a nightclub and the way that it's shot in that kind of, you know, Close, close up to the faces. It reminded me so much of the way Taika Waititi did in Thor Ragnarok and his style, that kind of deadpan straight to camera stuff. And it's like, oh, please don't tell me you're going to spend the entire film trying to replicate his style. Because I think this is kind of one of the things I I, I I kind of alluded to earlier. Feels like a film that's, let's take a bit of this, let's take a bit of that. So want a bit of this. And, you know, we've got generic blockbuster it's not like in the way like i talked about last week with dark phoenix i don't think it's like a cookie cutter of a movie where it's like a into b and c xyz but i want to see a director kind of feel like it's that he's handling something more than just a meat grinder but that's that's just me yeah well i think i mean the first men in black film it kind of did have that pulpy edge to it you know would kind of rooted in the, the conspiracy theory side of things you know the Men in Black suits turned up. The truth is out there, like yeah, it was all like around the time the X Files was out and all that sort of stuff. This one didn't really. You, you have Chris Hemsworth on a boat in pink trousers and a shirt. You still know, looking it, good, Lee. He's looking still good, looking good, but it, it's not Men in Black, you know. Or you've got him, you know, playing poker with a bunch of guys. Fair enough, one of them's an alien, but like he's wearing like a wee jacket and all. It's, it just didn't feel like Men in Black for for certain scenes. It just felt like here's Chris Hemsworth. You know, being a bit smarmy, unloosing a button. You know, um, you're getting a bit having, hot on the collar. There's play in this film. There is. They actually have the bottom up at one stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. put um, it away, Chris. So I just think, yeah, basically to summarize, I, I, I don't think anyone was asking for this, and I don't. But even they've really got think, it, Lee. And they've got it, but I don't. I don't. Well, have they got it though? I don't think it's like, you know, yes, we're missing. I think a wee cameo from. Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones or just something like other than the do- the talking dog and the bug aliens who smoke cigarettes and a painting that was pretty much all there was the only nods to the original also there's a bit with the where she gets on a train to go from New York to London right 
and the train turned from like a regular train into like this super fancy thing but were they not like in the amen and black building yeah. why did it need to change i did i did wonder that i was sitting there going why did this turn into you know from a subway train to like hot wheels for no reason do you think they're just maybe worried of one person kind of getting in, Standing in. <laughs> yeah do you, like i know i'm i'm not praising it i don't think i'm as harsh on it well i know you're not really being overly harsh on it like, not being but... harsh like you, you I'm not saying don't go see it. It's it's what it is. It's like proper. It's Crazy Tuesday or mm. what? What's the Orient equivalent? You've got your wacky limitless. Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday. <laughs> what did you say? Wacky or wanky? Wacky. <laughs> Depends <laughs> what you're watching. It's. I didn't think Belfast had those kinds no. of Taco Thursday. <laughs> wanky Wednesday. Funky Friday. You never get out of bed. Whatever day of the week. That's it is. one way to get over hump day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of go go see it. Have your fun. Leave. You'll probably never think about it again. Until the next one comes out, if it makes enough money, do you know? And this is going to again. I'm going to feel. I'm going to be very cautious how I bring this point up because we are three men in a room talking about it. Do you know what kind of bugged me, in a way, in a similar way to the new Star Wars? Sorry, Bill, with Ray's character, with with Tessa Thompson's character. She's just too good at everything. Like she's just into the job, and she's, you know, she's. It's. This um, I, I know what I mean when I'm trying to say this. I'm just being very cautious about how I approach it. But she's just too she's 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 automatically great at everything, and she just doesn't seem like a believable character. There's no kind of real arc, and I suppose that's the criticism that I, I said as soon as I came out of the film. Is like if you take the characters, if you take Chris Hemsworth and you take Tessa Thompson away and their natural charisma, there's not a lot in there in terms of the characters. Like she's from the get-go, like, I mean, she's someone who wasn't in your lives when she was younger. She's then become an expert herself. You know, she's she's hacking NASA. She literally just kind of eventually shows up to Men in Black MIB headquarters and just goes, right, I want the job. And that's basically her arc in, like, the first 20 minutes, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of them's just her running about with Chris Hemsworth. Um, yeah, I think you're right there. Like, and like Tessa Thompson's brilliant, and, and she does. But there was one bit, the bit where she's kind of suiting up, getting the guns, getting whatever. Um, and it, it, do you know what? It, the only thing that was missing from that was basically the Men in Black theme song for mm. the Will Smith. Did. I thought they were going to play that, even just like the, the you know, a bit of it or a sample of it, and the, you know, and have her put the sunglasses, Zeldina, and all that sort of stuff. And it just, it was very like, okay, we're gonna. This is the Will Smith scene. You're gonna do mm. your impression of Will Smith here, and you know, she did it, and f- fair enough. Like, but it just, I don't know. It felt really jarring. It felt mm. like we're trying to do Will Smith Men in Black here. We're yeah. not letting her do her own take on it. Um, and I think there was a lot of, like, as you said earlier on, there's like um, all the stuff about where the men and the women in black. That, that's fair enough. But it, a lot of that felt a bit shoehorned too. Especially when you have a character who's went from who's went from like zero to 60 in 20 minutes and then has kind of not, nothing to do, but there's nowhere for a character to go. By the end of the film. And the only other MIB female character is Emma Thompson, who's there at the start and at the end. Yeah. And that's it. It's because she kind of does the Tommy Lee Jones version of, of Men in Black 3. She's there at the start. She's there at the end. So you kind of think, oh, she's been there the whole film. No, she hasn't. Uh, there, there's definitely more for, for, for female characters in this, particularly compared to the first film. I know, like, Men in Black 2 had a female antagonist, and I think there's... 
Nicole Schwarzenegger. I can never say her. Schwarzenegger. Sorry, Nicole from, what was it she was in? Pussycat Dolls. Yeah. Nicole, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nicole from the Miller Lite adverts is briefly in Men in Black 3. Um, I, I, th- I think there's definitely been an attempt to make a step forward in that. I just think they've made her character just, just too, just too good at everything. And the similar kind of vein, it's, a, I know it's a, a beat that, I know it's a stick that, um, fans or non-fans hit the, the Ray character in the new Star Wars series, but, uh, it, I suppose it's kind of explained itself that she's a, a Jedi, but, but I know I'm bringing up painful thoughts, Bill, about the new Star Wars and stuff, but, but what's your kind of thoughts on, on Tessa Thompson's character? Yeah, um, I, I suppose I didn't really think about it because I see everybody equal, Jim. That's right. Um, no, yeah, we're your we're, halo is not big enough, Bill. We're, I know it isn't. Um, but your horns are getting bigger. <laughs> we're in an age now where um, political correctness is now the default mode for things. But you have to remember, she's in a film called Men in Black. Mm. So, you know, part of the issue is probably with the title as well. Yeah. I mean, this is a tight, you know, if the comic was out maybe 22, 23, 24 years, years ago, um, I can, I can sort of see the, maybe the social justice aspect to that. Um, but yeah, now that you mentioned, she, she does seem to be a bit too polished. Whereas yeah. <clears throat> Helmsworth, he's not. Although there's reasons for him being a dick in the film, sort of. Yeah, there is. I, it's, I, it, I think there's interest. Maybe there's it's. A, I think it's maybe one of those tight ropes that they're. Yeah. They kind of had to walk. It'd be interesting to see what made the cutting room floor. Actually, I think it's a film that's more interested in the spectacle, more interested in the yeah. set piece than character. And I, I know this is kind of. I feel like I'm kind of trying to back backpedal a bit, but it's not that it's. My issue with Tessa Thompson's character is just that she she arrives. It's a bit like um, Bohemian Rhapsody, where we see Freddie Mercury arrived in this in in that version of that film, fully formed and fully emerged. We don't really see a character arc. We don't see a progression of character. That's much like her. She arrives fully formed, and you kind of people make mistakes. We learn, we adapt, but she, as I say, arrives fully formed, fully fleshed out, that there's nowhere for her character to go. Hemsworth, again, there's interesting aspects about his, his character. You know, he's someone who has uh, gets has no problem getting freaky with uh, aliens. You know, I think there's two at least in this film. Yep. We see he, he's mm-hmm. someone who likes to, to gamble, he likes to take risks. There's interesting things there, but the he's film... Like, he's like Captain Kirk. He's like his own son. <laughs> <laughs> but he just... He, we Star Trek reference. Though. He always uh, plays safe, though. Kirk, Kirk didn't always, you know... Kirk, yeah. Kirk was a bit risky at times, but it was the sixties oh, though, swinging sixties. He was allowed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was the, times have changed, but I just think I think Chris Hemsworth's character is probably the more interesting of the two. But that said, he to his arc is never really explored, no. and I, I suppose it's a, it's a again. I I love my my sticks to beat people with, but uh, I I suppose that's just a thing that people beat most of the blockbusters for that there's not room for character but then we see in the avengers well, the thing is there is room for characters in the first men in black like i would argue that the the relationship between uh will smith's jay and tommy lee jones k that was the other one wasn't it mm-hmm. like i think that was the central sort of through line of the film with the 
the alien Vincent mm. D'Onofrio stuff kind of being almost like a B plot to that, you know, because you were kind of going, seeing how a regular Joe like Will Smith would handle like you know all these alien mm. scenarios, um, and then you have the straight laced Tommy Lee Jones character just saying, "Oh, well, you just do this, or you should know how to, you can handle this, no worries." Whereas in this, you know, it seemed to be the, the newbie Tessa Thompson kind of knew how to do all this, whereas the veteran Chris Hemsworth mm. was just kind of like, "Ah, we'll just wing it, play it by ear, that sort of thing." And it, I don't know, it, the relationship's good, but I just think there was no like nowhere for their characters to go. And Chris Hemsworth's character, like a lot of the the behavior that he exhibits in this in this it it kind of boils down to a plot twist which i'll not say but at the yeah. end of the film and i don't really know how that justifies his behavior exactly mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's it just like it, it was one of those that that's the kind of thing of through okay you've kind of explained it but it's like surely that's not what that does yeah. <laughs> you know that's like that's a whole other avenue that we're gonna but you know it's the whole, yeah, I'm not even going to mention it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a difficult one to go into without spoiling. And this isn't a spoiler podcast. And I don't really think we need to do a spoiler podcast for Men in Black International. But I suppose, as delicately as I can put it, thinking on my feet here, it, it's based around a character that is heralded as a hero. And I suppose this kind of swagger that comes from that is the idea of that kind of, well, you know, I'm the hero. It's kind of it's kind yeah. of like a reverse Luke Skywalker. I love bringing him this kind of Star Wars reference in this pod. It's, it's kind of a reverse Luke Skywalker. It? We've seen in the new Star Wars saga where it's kind of the hero complex for Chris Hemsworth is a good thing, but for Luke Skywalker it was clearly not a, a burden. But in this, it's kind of a good thing for Chris for Chris Hemsworth character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as yeah. I said, it's a, it's a really difficult one to spoiler. But that said, it's it, if you don't figure out, it's a bit like. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. If you don't figure out who's the bad guy, you know the moment they kind of pretty much step on screen. Well, maybe not. Maybe this one's a bit harsh to say that, but by the first twenty minutes. Do the way like on Facebook, especially when I this happened quite a lot when Avengers came out and other like maybe Star Wars and stuff. But loads of websites do. You went on and spoiled stuff, like for everyone. Yeah, I was one of those guys. No, but you see those articles that say, like, let's let's explore that scene in. Avengers Endgame or let's what what did this scene mean in whatever else see right so I seen one of those for Men in Black um I, I didn't read it I didn't didn't click on the article I just seen what that. was the scene what I don't know I didn't oh, I, I didn't click on the article oh well the thing said um we talk about that ending in Men in Black International or something along those lines oh, please. and as soon as I read that I knew what the twist was going to be like I knew I knew basically who the bad guy was going to be? I was like, it, that this he, that person's going to be the bad guy. Um, and yeah, as soon as I seen him when we, the film started, I was like, yep, he's definitely going to be the bad guy, or she is going to be the <laughs> or bad it. guy, or it, because it is a film with aliens, or the Eiffel Tower, or they, you know, they might be sort of gen, or yeah, well, that bloody Eiffel Tower. God damn you! Do, do you know what though? And again, I'm just looking at my notes, and again, I've kind of got got through it. There's parts of it at times reminded me a little bit of like kind of Transformers logic and it's kind of, yeah. it's, it's it's that coming back to that point of the set piece moves the plot along not the character so it's kind of we have action sequence then let's say right uh, uh, that action sequence means that we have to be here by the way so then the next action sequence is going to move the plot that it it is and i, I feel like i'm really bad because i'm still kind of semi defending it but it's there's 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 no characters well there is obviously characters in it but there's 
their characters are kind of monolithic. They're just kind of one-dimensional characters. I don't think there's anyone really has any levels of complexities. But yet there is. The film just isn't interested in exploring them. If that yeah, if that makes if that makes, makes sense, sense. Yeah. it makes sense yeah. somewhere in the back region of my head. So generally, like I think we're all kind of I think we're lukewarm about this. You're probably the most positive, but uh, like I, I, to be honest, I'll I'll probably have to go and see it again with the family anyway. Um, but are you going gonna... to neuralize yourself before the no experience? no I'm not going to I'm not going to see it as a chore. Hmm? I I kind of enjoyed it, and it's like eh, eh that entertained me. Stick it was that kind of funny. Like. Stick that on the poster. Bill Taylor. I kind, kind of enjoyed it. Kind of enjoyed it. What are they going to stick on the poster for you, Lee? Um, had a few laughs. It was okay. I look forward to seeing how they do Wild Wild West International next summer <laughs> with oh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Don't toy with me. And hopefully two big giant spiders this that. time. Wiki Wiki Wild. And hopefully that's, Ke- the, that's the it's Wild West too. Wiki Wiki Wild. <laughs> and uh, hopefully Kevin Smith gets a direct this time with a big giant spider if you're, if you're gonna ask me to put my uh thing for the poster jim mcclain band of i'm just gonna say chris hemsworth dreamboat x x x or chris hemsworth vote me call me i, I feel <laughs> like i'm a married man but you know chris does something to I me i don't think amber would mind if you brought him home well she, she'd be kicked out of bed anyway it's like <laughs> but say, say no more on that um weirdly kind of um question my sexuality note let's move on to part three of the podcast <laughs> Okay, guys, so we're going to wrap up with our and finally question, our little bit of silliness just to end the show. And I don't know whether or not you guys saw this on Twitter earlier in the week, but uh, Justin Bieber's calling out Tom Cruise for some UFC fighting. So it got me thinking. Now, we could go down, I think, is that 31 years difference between the two? You could go down the nitty gritty, but then that requires getting calculators out and kind of figuring all that stuff. So we could go for it if you wanted to fight someone exactly 31 years your senior, but I thought I'd ask you, what are the celebs you'd love to fight? I'll start with you, Bill. If you had to call someone out right now on Twitter, who are you going to call out? Uh, well, if you were going to get me to do it for a senior, that would just literally be me kicking an old man. But they have to be famous. Although it depends on the old man. I mean, it could be, it could be somebody tough like. But anyway, um, no, I've chosen a guy, and this guy is never out of the news, and he's never out of social media. He is absolutely everywhere. He's in films. Lee Forgy? No, he's he's in films. He's done some musical stuff as well. Um, he does voices for stuff. He does advert work, so he can't get away from his voice. Um, so before you say I'm going to say like you have a guest Lee and I have a guest so you go first Lee so he does advert work he's been in films he's done advert work he does films is it Simon Carl? close somebody in that sort of milieu oh I then feel like is it David Williams? close <laughs> close Piers Morgan? <laughs> no you're very very close so reveal Bill James Corden uh, uh, I have to admit, I would like to have a little fisty cuff with James Corden. James Corden for the one. I think. How 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 far can I slag him? Can I be litigious? 
Well, let's see how far. Or just just let's, keep it to him and his mum. Um. <laughs> let's let, let's see, Bill, how far no, you can I go, just, and we'll see how him, much of it makes the cut. I find him extremely arrogant. This is a guy who started. He started in Hollyoaks, mm. right? Did he? And I, he I, disregards. I oh Did, no, he was he was Fat Wayne, the caretaker in in Hollyoaks. I didn't know this. Oh yeah, this that's sounds, one of his I first think, rules. I think Lee. I think, um, I think Bill's a fanboy. Went went rogue. And he are you like you know like in that song Eminem Stan? Are you like the guy? No, who's no. Writing? Did he never no, write no, back? No, no, no. I never really liked him. Um, but it's the fact that okay, so he was this character in Hollyoaks, and then he went off and did some other stuff, and he was in Wonder Boys, and it's like right, okay. Not not the film, I think he was in the stage version. And then it's like, okay. And then he, then a couple of years pass and you're seeing interviews with him. And he said, oh, Hollyoaks, ah, oh, Hollyoaks is crap. Ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, right, okay, he's just slagging off Hollyoaks. He, you know, he must be really bitter that he's not getting work. And then you find out that he's written what is supposedly a funny sitcom with a bunch of people. And it's like, what is this? This isn't funny, and that's it's that Gavin and Stacey thing. This isn't funny. And then, lo and behold, here we are. Oh, we're going to do another series. Not only the, and he's got a chat show in America. And it's like, really? That guy? That's the guy. That that guy. And then you can't right. get away from him on Facebook because it's always, oh, I'm going to be singing karaoke in my car with all these really famous people. It's like, dude, you're a real son of a bitch. You know that, <laughs> right? I'm Bill, calling them out right now. Bill, I'm, I'm calling them out. I'm, We're gonna do a street fight. We're gonna street rules. You would fight dirty, Bill. I would imagine. Damn right. It's yeah. like, you know that scene in Kickboxer where they wrap their their they wrap their knuckles in the threads and then they dip their dip them in glue and then they put the nails and stuff on it. That's that's what I would do. That's yeah. what I want. But I'm gonna, sell. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give you something though, Bill. If I had a machine right now, and you could, you know, you could have all James Corden's success, everything that's there, you could be James Corden. Would you? Would you? I do don't it? think he deserves it, though. I think that's the thing. But he doesn't deserve to have you inside him. I wouldn't be inside him. Not there's no amount of money would make that happen, Jim. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't deny him his success. It's the fact that he's he's sort of shitting on where he came from. It's like, Hollyoaks, okay, you're slagging Hollyoaks, which just happens to be one of the longest running um, soap operas in the UK. Hang on, hang on, Lee, I've got it. Bill's a really big Hollyoaks fan. I don't mind Hollyoaks. Hollyoaks is actually very stylistic. From a a cinematic point of view, it's it's absolutely good to look at and to study. Um, Compared to Gavin and Stacey, it's like Citizen Kane. Yeah. But it is, I mean, the, the directors and the, the cinematographers that they get on the Hollyoaks, I mean, they, they must know their films. And, you know, because the, they emulate a lot of the cinematics from films and stuff. It's really good high production values. And it's been like that for a long time. So I don't know, James Corden. What have you got against Hollyoaks? They're the ones who put you on the road. It's because they called him Fat Wayne. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But he is fat. 
You should embrace that. Yeah, I I'm not a huge James Gordon fan. I have to. I would happily like I'd be that guy like behind you in the fight going, "Go on, yeah. Bell, hit him, hit him." And then do you like when he's down and like yeah. James Gordon's knocked out, providing you know you go over and give him a kick. Yeah, for, <laughs> providing you won, Bill. You know, I'd be as soon as he's down, he's out. I'd be like, Doosh, yeah, you take that, James Gordon." Because because my reason for not liking him is is actually because I've never minded him. But it's only when you look back and you know you look at all the footage of I, I know he was drunk, but it was at one of the comedy awards, or it was in a movie award, and he was kind of talking about Keira Knightley, and it's pretty, it's pretty, it's just nasty. And I know it's kind of we 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 have us all the time, like people. Oh, I was just trying to get a shock out of people and a rise out of people, but mm, he just took ways it, and means. He just took it uh, too far. The, the one the one I like is um, where Pat he, he does it to Patrick Stewart. Patrick yeah. Stewart doesn't take it. Yes, and that's actually a fight I'd love to see. I'd love to see Patrick Stewart calling James Gordon out. Mm-hmm. Then they made up, and then they had the same kind of award ceremony a year later. They had the video with VT where they're both in bed together, kind of Morkman Wise style. Yeah, they were just paid for that. Yeah, Patrick Stewart, he'll do anything for money. But, uh, you know, Lee, what about you? Who you I, I've got a few here from, from our, our listeners and kind of social media, but who are you going to call out, Lee? I, mean, I had a good long think about this. I think, Bill, you've had this James Gordon chip on your shoulder for a while so it, that was per, you know perfectly natural reason to, to hate the guy like i had to actually think because i'm quite a you know peaceful kind of guy you're you know, not oh fair you're a complete and utter bastard oh like. you see me on the mvtv show yeah. you know, where's, where's my danish um but right i'm and this is gonna i know there's there's many people listening either you know at home or in the room even maybe even out there the ghost might be listening this is gonna for me annoy people annoy a few people but i'm gonna call it james cameron Right Ooh. now, I I like James Cameron's movies. I like you know Aliens. I like Terminator. Right, True Lies. Yeah, I like True Lies. Yeah, the, um, the Abyss. Yep, Ghosts of the Abyss. I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Is that the one, the Titanic, like submarine? It was, one? The, it was the only IMAX film we had here in Belfast. Oh then, yeah, then it I, closed. To be fair, I never watched it, so that's yeah. why it closed. Um, that one seat. That, <laughs> that, well, we just need to fill this well, maybe, one seat to maybe. stay open for another year. <laughs> Maybe if you'd brought Jenny too, you know, that would be two seats. We can stay up for a whole two years now, sir. Don't know why they're Canadian, eh? What's that about? Well, but the reason, right, the reason is, and you know, maybe you, you maybe you two can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but the reason is, right, why the fuck is he making Avatar 2 or 3 or 4? Like, who is asking for Avatar sequels? James Cameron is. Like, yeah, he is, and, you know, maybe some executive who he keeps pointing to the, the 600 bajillion dollars. Mm. He's going, here, look at that number. I'll do that again for you. Fuck Avengers. Did his dream not tell him? I don't know. I'm, is that what it was? Just... I am I would actually call him out for a fight just because I just want to... And I know that if Gavin Moriarty's listening, he's going to get really up, uptight about this. I just want him getting um, removed from being the, the, the guru of Terminator. The van, the man that's gonna, you know, fix everything. You know, he was there. You know, he took the money. He tried to sell us, you know, Terminator Genesis by, you know, when he got paid to promote it and say, this is what I would have done. I think he was on as a consultant for Terminator Salvation. You know, because I think it's his involvement got Linda Hamilton back to record the tapes that Christian Bale listens to in Salvation. He's back this time as a an exec producer for Terminator Dark Fate. I think he's written or he's involved with the screenplay. If I was going to call him out for a fight, not just Avatar stuff, I didn't like Avatar the first time round, but it's like, you know, you let it go. You know, there's, there's, there's other people can be involved in the Terminator. I actually think James Cameron 
is is holding it back. The fact that we have to retreat to James Cameron and what would James like? What would he like us to do with Terminator? There's other fucking people out there who can come up with decent ideas. It's it's never ending. You say it's it's like the Vietnam War. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's his true. obsession. Did he serve in Vietnam? I'm not sure. I don't think he James. Did. If he you're listening, does the draft? Yeah, James. If you're listening, I probably shouldn't say that because yeah. he is. <laughs> yeah, James. If you're listening, uh, were you in the the US Army? Uh, email, tweet us. You know, drop us a message. Or you can tell us when you come out and fight me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's between Terminator, what he's done to Terminator and or not done to Terminator, depending on how you look at it, and Avatar. Like when Avatar came out, I went to see it with a friend because he really wanted to see it, and it was pretty to look at. I don't think it came out of it going, "Oh, I can't wait for the next one," you know. And it, I don't really, you know, I know the big the three D was a big part of that, and you know, people want you know had these really good three. It, it's the same way, like well, I suppose it's kind of similar to the way when Gravity came out, you know. You had to kind of see gravity in the cinema in three D to kind of get it, not get it. That sounds really pretentious, but you know to, to really you know see what the, all the hype's about. And it's the same with Avatar. If you watch Gravity at home on ITV two, it's still a good film, but you're kind of like nah, I've seen it. I've seen the three D stuff. It's not quite the same, and it, it's the same when Avatar's on. So he needs to be doing something pretty fucking special for Avatar two. It needs that. I don't know. James Cameron needs to come and give you a neck massage or something while it's playing, or needs to do give you, you know, so, something needs to happen. So here's the key thing, me: Are you going to hold off calling out James Cameron for the fight until the next Avatar is out? So because I'm just saying, what happens if it is, you know, the Terminator two, to the, the Terminator two of sequels? What is it if, if it's on that kind of part? Are you going to sit and well, go? Right, it's all right, James. I'm really sorry. I'll make a deal with you. So I'll rub your neck while had, you watch Terminator Two for the fifteenth time. I had another guy on my list who's going to call it for very different. Now reasons. hold off on that because just before you go on to your next one, I do want to give a couple of our listeners kind of a call out. Uh, we had Chris Baird who said he wanted to call out Arnie, and it's a weird one to call him out. A real reason to call him out because he says that he just wants Arnie to deliver some witty one-liners. When he eventually gets beaten by him, did you see the guy drop kick? Yeah, Arnie? and Arnie took that like a pro. Yeah, he, he barely moved. Yeah, to be fair, what 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 was that a B? Did you hear his line? It's like I thought someone pushed me, and I said, "I love you, Arnie." Uh, Joe McElroy, he did go for the thirty-one years, but I think actually this was premeditated because Joe had actually tweeted this already this week, where he went, "If he's going for someone thirty-one years as senior, he'd be calling out Morrissey for a fight." Yeah, just, actually, that's a good. I think Marcy was just car in the corner. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a friend of yours, like Larry Cohen. Cohen, uh, Larry Cohen. He he just he didn't call anybody. He just says that Cruz would knock Bieber out. He probably would. Let's be honest. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of uh, who do you think would win in that? I, Tom, I, Tom Cruise. I would want Tom Cruise to lose. Sorry, what? I don't like him. I don't like him. But I don't like Justin B. I, I'm not a huge... Tom Cruise. I don't like Bieber either. There's Tom- literally no winners there. It's like... <laughs> Do you think... Right, it's he- like Alien versus Predator. Whoever <laughs> wins, we lose. Do you think, though, that um, if Tom Cruise did win in that fight... You think like someone would have like a a, so, a sofa like like Oprah just so he could come in and jump up and down it, going like when he proclaimed his love. But Bieber's like two foot taller than him. Yeah, Bieber's definitely at height advantage. He does, but you know, I I just think Cruz with all those Cruz's years, experience, yes, and he's built like a brick shit house, and you know, he does his own stunts. He does and all stuff, his own stunts, so there is strength there, and the power of Scientology will mean that he will. Zeno will empower him. Yeah, do you know this? Like, do you ever see a couple? Of, I think they still do it actually, but 
for a while on YouTube and Facebook, you had all the um of the Carvel High Award this year, like the traveling folk calling each other out for like bare knuckle boxing matches. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I could just imagine. Bieber. I seen you, Jimmy Finner. <laughs> I seen you. I seen you at the corner there. I'm the only one in that corner allowed to sell a dog. Not you. I'm Take your dogs to another corner, or I'll fight you. I'll fight you where you want. I seen you in Mission Impossible. It was shite. <laughs> Why are you not getting more rules, Bill, on Far City? With I, an accent like I, that, I keep sending them that demo tape, and they won't, they won't take me on. I, I, I think they're, they're missing. I don't even know Fair City still. Is it not Fire City? Fair City? I, Fair City. I, I, uh, I think they're missing. I don't even know if Fair City's still going. I hope it is. Fingers crossed. Oh. Anyway, um, but uh, the, just before you come back to your next one, uh, Darren. Now this is what I felt a bit uncomfortable with, and now Darren Vincent, he's one of Bandaflex's own, so. The views here expressed are of Darren Vincent, not necessarily Bantaflix, but he wants to call Sean Connery out, but he wants Sean to put his knighthood on the line. I'm kind of think, yeah, but does, does Sean Connery not have? Is he not? Is it not kind of in the news that he is showing signs of dementia? I know maybe this is me kind of being like the farting on someone's birthday cake, and like that's, it's, that's it's just a bit of fun. You could beat the shit out of him, <laughs> and then he wouldn't remember to sue you. Views here expressed are the six cents, <laughs> and you can find the six cents at, at six cents or six cents on Facebook. Um, you just what's the guy's name? Darren. Darren Vincent. You're just beating up an old man, Darren. Come on, <laughs> let's and let's then, leave it. And let's, then, let's, you know, at some point, it's just you, just GBH and uh, a pensioner, an uh, octogenarian, oct- octogenarian in the octagon, octogenarian. <laughs> He's in his 80s. That's oh, what I'm trying to say. I would like to see, you know, Sean Connery in Octagon. Just, Sean just, Connery's built like a brick shit house as well. No, the, he is. In the day, I don't know if he's In the still day, like, probably not now. Like, not now. Because I have... most of the shit in his pants now, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I've, I have thought about who I'd love to find. And mine, and it's just, it's just, a, there's an honest answer anytime I ever think about it. I'd like to think I could take him. I'd hope I could take him because a bit like you, Bill, I would fight dirty. And it's only because, and it's only in my head because I rewatched Rocket Man with my lovely wife on Wednesday this week, and I had forgotten about a certain cameo appearance. And when he pops up, he literally, in the space of like two seconds, just threatens to ruin my entire happiness in life. And I'm loving Rocket Man. I'm loving the music. I'm loving the style. I'm loving you know everything about it. And then Keith Lemon pops up, and it's it's literally a blink and you miss it cameo. He's, is, he's there. Is it Keith Lemon? I haven't seen Rocket Man. Is it actually like Keith Lemon doing Keith Lemon, or is it the guy who plays Keith Lemon? I don't care. I don't care. It's it's Keith Lemon, and he just annoys me. He offends my happiness anytime. Anytime I'm trolling TV and I go, "Oh, ITV two, it's about half ten. Oh, I'll put you know ITV two on. I'll put a Family Guy, even though I've seen that episode a thousand times. I'll put it on." Oh, fuck, it's celebrity juice. And I might only hear, like, you know, one line, and you'll be like, oh, you've wrecked my entire night. He might pop up the odd time I'm off. He seems to always pop up on This Morning or something like that. Did you watch Keith Lemon, the movie? Yep. No. It was filmed here in Belfast. That's Fun- right, yeah. Funded by an ice cream. That's all that you need to say about that. <laughs> you you had another one as well. Well, two, I'll just do them briefly, though. So one was James Woods, just because he's a cunt. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Um, Any what happened to James Woods though he used to be really like he's like one of those actors you're kind of like oh there's James Woods he's a pretty cool guy you know 
casino, Salvador, video drum, all that sort of stuff. And now he just comes like he's still basically an internet troll now. And he just basically like going like to play he he basically sounds like his family guy character on Twitter now and he just slags off people and stuff. So that was one person. The other one was Louis Thru. Not because I don't like Louis Thru, I do like Louis Thru, but I think Louis Thru would meet you and instead of fighting you, it'd be like, What's going on? Let's talk about it and you'd have a nice wee chat with him. Tell you it's all gonna be alright. Is it also because you think you could take him? Oh, I definitely like. I could definitely take him. I put the. I think he's got the height advantage in me, but I've definitely got the weight advantage on him. So I just bounce him across the road. Do you think if you sucker punched him, do you think people would get angry? Do you think like if you like kind of defeated Louis through, you know, you wouldn't be heralded as the hero? I think you'd no, be. You, you'd, you'd have turned Haley. I think. Well, no, I think Louis through would accept it and make a documentary out of it, and he would learn something from it. I would learn something from it. The audience would get to watch it, and they'd be like, "Well, bravo, Louis! That was great." Let's do another one next year. And yeah, um, I think everyone wins. Yeah. And I think the people that have won the most is the people that have had to listen to us for the last little bit talking about everything. So They'll be calling us out. <laughs> yeah, they will be calling us out. And so right, you're probably going to be able to take me. So there's no point. There's absolutely no point. Although Bill does fight straight, you know. Straight, totally stripped and lubed up. Let's go. That's a different type of thing, Bill. No, that's how we fight. <laughs> Bill, that's... Not how we fight. So so on that uh, lubed up note, uh, all that's really there for me to do now is thank you very much, Lee. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bill. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks very much to the audience for hosting us. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, don't forget to subscribe. And uh, we'll be back next week with our Edinburgh Film Festival special. But for now, until then, goodbye. Goodbye.